0: Chapter twenty four of the Oregon Trail This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Oregon Trail by Francis Parkman, Jr. Chapter twenty four The Chase The country before us was now thronged with buffalo, and a sketch of the manner of hunting them will not be out of place. There are two methods commonly practiced, running and approaching. The chase on horseback, which goes by the name of running, is the more violent and dashing mode of the two. Indeed, of all American wild sports, this is the wildest. Once among the buffalo, the hunter, unless long use has made him familiar with the situation, dashes forward in utter recklessness and self-abandonment. He thinks of nothing, cares for nothing but the game. His mind is stimulated to the highest pitch, yet intensely concentrated on one object— In the midst of the flying herd, where the uproar and the dust are thickest, it never wavers for a moment. He drops the rein and abandons his horse to his furious career. He levels his gun. The report sounds faint amid the thunder of the buffalo, and when his wounded enemy leaps in vain fury upon him, his heart thrills with a feeling like the fierce delight of the battlefield." A practiced and skillful hunter, well-mounted, will sometimes kill five or six cows in a single chase, loading his gun again and again as his horse rushes through the tumult. An exploit like this is quite beyond the capacities of a novice. In attacking a small band of buffalo, or in separating a single animal from the herd and assailing it apart from the rest, there is less excitement and less danger with a bold and well-trained horse the hunter may ride so close to the buffalo that as they gallop side by side he may reach over and touch him with his hand nor is there much danger in this as long as the buffalo's strength and breath continue unabated but when he becomes tired and can no longer run at ease when his tongue lolls out and foam flies from his jaws then the hunter had better keep at a more respectful distance The distressed brute may turn upon him at any instant, and especially at the moment when he fires his gun. The wounded buffalo springs at his enemy, the horse leaps violently aside, and then the hunter has need of a tenacious seat in the saddle, for if he is thrown to the ground, there is no hope for him. When he sees his attack defeated, the buffalo resumes his flight, but if the shot be well directed, he soon stops, for a few moments he stands still then totters and falls heavily upon the prairie. The chief difficulty in running buffalo, as it seems to me, is that of loading the gun or pistol at full gallop. Many hunters, for convenience sake, carry three or four bullets in the mouth. The powder is poured down the muzzle of the piece, the bullet dropped in after it, and the stock struck hard upon the pommel of the saddle, and the work is done. The danger of this method is obvious. Should the blow on the pommel fail to send the bullet home, or should the latter in the act of aiming start from its place and roll toward the muzzle the gun would probably burst in discharging many a shattered hand and worse casualties besides have been the result of such an accident to obviate it some hunters make use of a ramrod usually hung by a string from the neck but this materially increases the difficulty of loading The bows and arrows which the Indians use in running buffalo have many advantages over firearms, and even white men occasionally employ them. The danger of the chase arises not so much from the onset of the wounded animal as from the nature of the ground which the hunter must ride over. The prairie does not always present a smooth, level, and uniform surface. Very often it is broken with hills and hollows, intersected by ravines, and in the remoter parts, studded by the stiff, wild sage bushes. The most formidable obstructions, however, are the burrows of wild animals, wolves, badgers, and particularly prairie dogs, with whose holes the ground for a very great extent is frequently honeycombed in the blindness of the chase the hunter rushes over it unconscious of danger his horse at full career thrusts his leg deep into one of the burrows the bone snaps the rider is hurled forward to the ground and probably killed yet accidents in buffalo running happen less frequently than one would suppose in the recklessness of the chase the hunter enjoys all the impunity of a drunken man and may ride in safety over the gullies and declivities Where, should he attempt to pass in his sober senses, he would infallibly break his neck. The method of approaching, being practiced on foot, has many advantages over that of running. In the former, one neither breaks down his horse nor endangers his own life. Instead of yielding to excitement, he must be cool, collected, and watchful. He must understand the buffalo. Observe the features of the country and the course of the wind, and be well-skilled, moreover, in using the rifle. The buffalo are strange animals. Sometimes they are so stupid and infatuated that a man may walk up to them in full sight on the open prairie, and even shoot several of their number before the rest will think it necessary to retreat. Again, at another moment, they will be so shy and wary that, in order to approach them, the utmost skill, experience, and judgment are necessary. Kit Carson, I believe, stands preeminent in running buffalo. In approaching, no man living can bear away the palm from Henry Chatillon. To resume the story, after Tete Rouge had alarmed the camp, no further disturbance occurred during the night. The Arapahoes did not attempt mischief or if they did, the wakefulness of the party deterred them from effecting their purpose. The next day was one of activity and excitement, for about ten o'clock the men in advance shouted the gladdening cry of, Buffalo! Buffalo! and in the hollow of the prairie just below us a band of bulls were grazing. The temptation was irresistible, and Shaw and I rode down upon them. We were badly mounted on our travelling horses, but by hard lashing we overtook them, and Shaw, running alongside of a bull, shot into him both balls of his double-barrelled gun. Looking round as I galloped past, I saw the bull in his mortal fury rushing again and again upon his antagonist, whose horse constantly leaped aside and avoided the onset. My chase was more protracted, but at length I ran close to the bull and killed him with my pistols. Cutting off the tails of our victims by way of trophy, we rejoined the party in about a quarter of an hour after we left it. Again and again that morning rang out the same welcome cry of, "'Buffalo! Buffalo!' Every few moments in the broad meadows along the river we would see bands of bulls, who, raising their shaggy heads, would gaze in stupid amazement at the approaching horsemen, and then, breaking into a clumsy gallop, would file off in a long line across the trail in front, toward the rising prairie on the left. At noon the whole plain before us was alive with thousands of buffalo, bulls, cows, and calves, all moving rapidly as we drew near, and far off beyond the river the swelling prairie was darkened with them to the very horizon. The party was in gayer spirits than ever. We stopped for a nooning near a grove of trees by the riverside. "'Tongues and hump-ribs to-morrow,' said Shaw, looking with contempt at the venison steaks which Deloria placed before us. Our meal finished, we lay down under a temporary awning to sleep.' A shout from Henry Chatillon aroused us, and we saw him standing on the cart wheel, stretching his tall figure to its full height while he looked toward the prairie beyond the river. Following the direction of his eyes we could clearly distinguish a large dark object, like the black shadow of a cloud passing rapidly over swell after swell of the distant plain. Behind it followed another of similar appearance, though smaller. Its motion was more rapid and it drew closer and closer to the first. "'It was the hunters of the Arapaho camp pursuing a band of buffalo. "'Shaw and I hastily sought and saddled our best horses "'and went plunging through sand and water to the farther bank. "'We were too late. "'The hunters had already mingled with the herd "'and the work of slaughter was nearly over. "'When we reached the ground, we found it strewn far and near "'with numberless black carcasses, "'while the remnants of the herd, scattered in all directions, "'were flying away in terror.' and the indians still rushing in pursuit many of the hunters however remained upon the spot and among the rest was our yesterday's acquaintance a chief of the village he had alighted by the side of a cow into which he had shot five or six arrows and his squaw who had followed him on horseback to the hunt was giving him a draught of water out of a canteen purchased or plundered from some volunteer soldier Recrossing the river we overtook the party who were already on their way. We had scarcely gone a mile when an imposing spectacle presented itself. From the river bank on the right, away over the swelling prairie on the left, and in front as far as we could see, extended one vast host of buffalo. The outskirts of the herd were within a quarter of a mile. In many parts they were crowded so densely together that in the distance their rounded backs presented a surface of uniform blackness, but elsewhere they were more scattered, and from amid the multitude rose little columns of dust where the buffalo were rolling on the ground. Here and there a great confusion was perceptible, where a battle was going forward among the bulls. We could distinctly see them rushing against each other, and hear the clattering of their horns and their horse bellowing. Shaw was riding at some distance in advance with Henry Chatillon. I saw him stop and draw the leather covering from his gun. Indeed, with such a sight before us, but one thing could be thought of. That morning I had used pistols in the chase. I had now a mind to try the virtue of a gun. Delorier had one, and I rode up to the side of the cart. There he sat under the white covering, biting his pipe between his teeth, and grinning with excitement. Lend me your gun, Delorier, said I. Oui, monsieur, oui, said Delorier, tugging with might and main to stop the mule, which seemed obstinately bent on going forward. Then everything but his moccasins disappeared as he crawled into the cart and pulled at the gun to extricate it. Is it loaded, I asked? Oui, bien chargé. You'll kill, mon bourgeois. Yes, you'll kill. C'est un bon fusil. I handed him my rifle and rode forward to Shaw. "'Are you ready?' he asked. "'Come on,' said I. "'Keep down that hollow,' said Henry, "'and then they won't see you till you get close to them.' The hollow was a kind of ravine, very wide and shallow. It ran obliquely toward the buffalo, and we rode at a canter along the bottom until it became too shallow, when we bent close to our horses' necks, and then, finding that it could no longer conceal us, came out of it and rode directly toward the herd. It was within gunshot, before its outskirts, numerous grizzly old bulls were scattered, holding guard over their females. They glared at us in anger and astonishment, walked toward us a few yards, and then, turning slowly round, retreated at a trot, which afterward broke into a clumsy gallop. In an instant the main body caught the alarm. The buffalo began to crowd away from the point toward which we were approaching, and a gap was opened in the side of the herd. We entered it, still restraining our excited horses. Every instant the tumult was thickening. The buffalo, pressing together in large bodies, crowded away from us on every hand. In front and on either side we could see dark columns and masses, half hidden by clouds of dust, rushing along in terror and confusion, and hear the tramp and clattering of ten thousand hoofs. That countless multitude of powerful brutes, ignorant of their own strength, were flying in a panic from the approach of two feeble horsemen. To remain quiet longer was impossible. Take that band on the left, said Shaw. I'll take these in front. He sprang off, and I saw no more of him. A heavy Indian whip was fastened by a band to my wrist. I swung it into the air and lashed my horse's flank with all the strength of my arm. Away she darted, stretching close to the ground. I could see nothing but a cloud of dust before me, but I knew that it concealed a band of many hundreds of buffalo. In a moment I was in the midst of the cloud, half suffocated by the dust, and stunned by the trampling of the flying herd, but I was drunk with the chase and cared for nothing but the buffalo. Very soon a long dark mass became visible, looming through the dust. Then I could distinguish each bulky carcass, the hoofs flying out beneath, the short tails held rigidly erect. In a moment I was so close that I could have touched them with my gun. Suddenly, to my utter amazement, the hoofs were jerked upward, the tails flourished in the air, and amid a cloud of dust the buffalo seemed to sink into the earth before me. One vivid impression of that instant remains upon my mind. I remember looking down the backs of several buffalo dimly visible through the dust. We had run unawares upon a ravine. At that moment I was not the most accurate judge of depth and width, but when I passed it on my return I found it about twelve feet deep and not quite twice as wide at the bottom. It was impossible to stop. I would have done so gladly if I could. So, half sliding, half plunging, down went the little mare. I believe she came down on her knees in the loose sand at the bottom. I was pitched forward violently against her neck and nearly thrown over her head among the buffalo, who amid dust and confusion came tumbling in all around. The mare was on her feet in an instant and scrambling like a cat up the opposite side. I thought for a moment that she would have fallen back and crushed me, but with a violent effort she clambered out and gained the hard prairie above. Glancing back, I saw the huge head of a bull clinging, as it were, by the forefeet at the edge of the dusty gulf. At length I was fairly among the buffalo. They were less densely crowded than before, and I could see nothing but bulls who always run at the rear of the herd. As I passed amid them, they would lower their heads, and turning as they ran, attempt to gore my horse, but as they were already at full speed, there was no force in their onset, and as Pauline ran faster than they, they were always thrown behind her in the effort. I soon began to distinguish cows amid the throng. One just in front of me seemed to my liking, and I pushed close to her side dropping the reins i fired holding the muzzle of the gun within a foot of her shoulder quick as lightning she sprang at pauline the little mare dodged the attack and i lost sight of the wounded animal amid the tumultuous crowd immediately after i selected another and urging forward pauline shot into her both pistols in succession for a while i kept her in view but in attempting to load my gun lost sight of her also in the confusion Believing her to be mortally wounded and unable to keep up with the herd, I checked my horse. The crowd rushed onward. The dust and tumult passed away, and on the prairie far behind the rest I saw a solitary buffalo galloping heavily. In a moment I and my victim were running side by side. My firearms were all empty, and I had in my pouch nothing but rifle bullets, too large for the pistols and too small for the gun. I loaded the latter, however, but as often as I levelled it to fire the little bullets would roll out of the muzzle and the gun returned only a faint report like a squib, as the powder harmlessly exploded. I galloped in front of the buffalo and attempted to turn her back, but her eyes glared, her mane bristled, and lowering her head she rushed at me with astonishing fierceness and activity. Again and again I rode before her, and again and again she repeated her furious charge. But little Pauline was in her element. She dodged her enemy at every rush, until at length the buffalo stood still, exhausted with her own efforts. She panted, and her tongue hung lolling from her jaws. Riding to a little distance, I alighted, thinking to gather a handful of dry grass to serve the purpose of wadding and load the gun at my leisure. No sooner were my feet on the ground than the buffalo came bounding in such a rage toward me that I jumped back again into the saddle with all possible dispatch. After waiting a few minutes more, I made an attempt to ride up and stab her with my knife, but the experiment proved such as no wise man would repeat. At length, bethinking me of the fringes at the seams of my buckskin pantaloons, I jerked off a few of them, and, reloading my gun, forced them down the barrel to keep the bullet in its place. Then approaching, I shot the wounded buffalo through the heart. Sinking to her knees, she rolled over lifeless on the prairie. To my astonishment, I found that instead of a fat cow, I had been slaughtering a stout yearling bull. No longer wondering at the fierceness he had shown, I opened his throat and, cutting out his tongue, tied it at the back of my saddle. My mistake was one which a more experienced eye than mine might easily make in the dust and confusion of such a chase. Then for the first time I had leisure to look at the scene around me. The prairie in front was darkened with the retreating multitude and on the other hand the buffalo came filing up in endless, unbroken columns from the low plains upon the river. The Arkansas was three or four miles distant. I turned and moved slowly toward it. A long time passed before, far down in the distance, I distinguished the white covering of the cart and the little black specks of horsemen before and behind it. Drawing near, I recognized Shaw's elegant tunic, the red flannel shirt, conspicuous far off. I overtook the party and asked him what success he had met with. He had assailed a fat cow, shot her with two bullets, and mortally wounded her. But neither of us were prepared for the chase that afternoon, and Shaw, like myself, had no spare bullets in his pouch, so he abandoned the disabled animal to Henry Chatillon, who followed, dispatched her with his rifle, and loaded his horse with her meat. We encamped close to the river. The night was dark. And as we lay down, we could hear, mingled with the howling of wolves, the hoarse bellowing of the buffalo, like the ocean beating upon a distant coast. End of chapter 24